Hello everyone, my name is Andy Summers and welcome to episode 8 of Reviving the Soul. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. Genesis 3, 1-7 The text we read last week ended with Adam and Eve living in perfect harmony without shame. Up until now, their lives were lived out in perfect devotion to God. God's word ruled in the hearts of Adam and Eve, and they experienced perfect joy in the presence of an almighty God. Moses then introduces us to a new character, the serpent. There is nothing evil about the serpent in and of itself. After all, the serpent was a part of God's creation and God declared all that he created to be good. The serpent is described as being more crafty than any of the other creatures. And again, this is not an evil attribute. In fact, God tells his disciples to be as shrewd as the serpent. What differentiates this serpent from the other creatures in the garden was, according to the book of Revelation, this serpent was controlled by the devil. The whole conversation between Eve and the serpent gets progressively more disturbing as it goes on. I mean, first of all, it involved a talking snake. And why Eve didn't find this strange from the get-go, we don't really know. Maybe she just assumed that she was addressing a new creation that she had not yet seen. But, as we will see, the serpent is very careful in the way that he forms his questions. He begins by asking Eve, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, the serpent very well knows that he's exaggerating what God ordered. But he said this in a way to draw Eve in. And he succeeded because our first mother was very quick to correct him and responded with, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Now, if she would have stopped there with her response, she would have been golden. But as most of us do, she added a slight amendment. She said, Neither shall you touch it. God never said that. It is here where Eve truly begins to spiral. She did not allow God's word to speak for itself. Instead, she added what she thought was best, thus opening a window for the serpent to continue twisting God's word for his own gain. Eve explains the punishment for disobeying God's word and tells him that you know if you eat of it, you will die, and so on. But then the serpent, knowing that Eve is now willing to change God's word, he comes right out and accuses God of being a liar. You won't die. In fact, if you disobey God's word, you will be like him. This truly is a heartbreaking exchange. After all, 
She was like God. She was created in the image of God. She had been given a world along with her husband to rule over. Everything had been provided for her to flourish, and yet she assumed that there was more that she could experience. And so, thinking she knew what was best, she took the fruit and she ate. Now, if you remember from last week's episode, God led Eve to Adam and gave her to him just as a father gives his daughter to a man whom he deems worthy. It is assumed that this man will care for, cherish, love, and protect this woman with his life. This was Adam's calling, to lay down his life for the sake of his wife, just like Christ laid down his life for the church. So where was Adam during this whole conversation? We find out in the very next line. It says she then gave some to her husband who was with her. He was there the entire time, listening to the exchange and didn't say anything. He then took the fruit and partook as well. Their eyes were then opened and in contrast to the last verse of the last chapter, although they were created without shame, now for the first time in their lives, they felt shame and guilt and then they covered themselves with leaves. This passage can teach us many things. The first thing that I see here is the importance of allowing God's word to speak for itself in the context that it was meant to be read. If you are having a hard time understanding something within God's word, see what the rest of the Bible has to say about that passage or about that topic. Don't go running to another Bible teacher that claims he has all the answers. It is commonplace today for Bible teachers to read their own ideas into a passage of God's Word which creates a destructive chain reaction that leads to all kinds of false teachings such as the prosperity gospel, anti-Trinitarian teachings, fear-mongering evangelism, and many others. Now, this passage also reminds men to fight for and lay down their lives for their wives and families. Every day when men wake up, they are at war. They war against temptation, they war against circumstances, they war against a post-evangelical society, and they war against a modern liberal theology. It is only by the power of God's gospel that men and women will have victory. Jesus demonstrates this victory for us. Although Adam failed to lay down his life for his wife, Jesus did not fail. When faced with temptation, he deflected each temptation with the word of God. Jesus fought from the heart He fought with all of the strength that he had, knowing what it would take to rescue his bride. He pleaded with his father to the point of sweating drops of blood that he might give him the strength he needs to fight for his bride. There is not a passage of scripture that better describes how man is to fight than this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, 5, and 8. Reviving the Soul is available on all listening platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and many others. If you have any questions, please feel free to leave a comment on my Facebook page at Psalm 19 Revive. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. And until next time, apply all of Scripture to all of life.